0: today on the recruitment flex nurturing candidates gets you paid have you ever wanted to slap a co-worker or maybe a podcast co-host where are the job seekers looking for jobs we find out on employees job seeker nation survey that just came out Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Surge and Shelly. I'm Surge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Surge and joined by my lovely co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. She's the best thing in the world, right? <laughs> oh my God.
1: Surge, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I must say, It's pretty hard to get the smile off my face these days. And it's not for the reason you think. So just (laughs) don't even go there, Serge. Everything is coming together.
0: Yeah, your, your world is just rocking, right? It
1: really is. And I'm having so much fun. And I'm doing what I dreamed that higher value would become as a company. And the work that I'm doing is exactly the vision that I had. So I like my cheeks hurt. I can't stop smiling. I'm just... Do you know who's smiling too? Who? Oh Adam Gordon. Yes. Oh my God, right?
0: Adam Gordon is smiling uh, a really big smile today. So for those who don't know, Adam Gordon Mm -hmm. has been a guest on our show a couple of times. He's the CEO and founder of Candidate ID, which is a magnificent tool. It's really one of a kind. Uh, There is a competitor. We've had the competitor on the show with Brad, but... What they have built out of Scotland has been phenomenal. And when I saw this on my LinkedIn feed, I I was so happy because Mm -hmm. iSIMS acquired candidate ID. So Adam, congratulations, is extremely well-deserved. It's good to see a regular on the show get his big payday. How rich do you think it is? Because Oh my God. So, you
1: know, aside from the money, I think iSIMS might pull ahead because the technology and what candidate id does there's nothing else is there anything on the market that really does it you nothing know, like as far no. as it no i know and so it's that next level and i sims i'm just like take my hat off and give those guys a round of applause because it really is looking at solving the problem that everybody has, right? It's absolutely brilliant. And I'm excited for a lot of my clients that are iSIMS customers, because I know they have like a, they call it a candidate pipelining tool right now, but it's not. It is basically a manila file folder um, in iSIMS right now that they call their candidate pipeline. But layering in candidate ID is just going to make it the real fucking deal
0: like well do you think they're just going to layer it in or it's going to be an additional tool that they will sell as, hey, as an add-on
1: either way what iSim's has right now that they're calling a candidate pipelining tool and a candidate communication tool is like running dos right yeah yes yeah. A-
0: and a lot of the ats now have a crm built in but candidate id does a lot oh more than a crm they actually give their crm for free it's the actual technology they leverage for candidate nurturing is well ahead of anything's out there in the recruitment marketing space obviously there's a lot similar technologies when you go into consumer marketing space but mm-hmm. i think it's a perfect marriage and i got
1: goosebumps when i read it it was just like oh my god
0: Don't. well it's great to see some of our friends get rich right That we're still yeah. <laughs> waiting for the day that we both get rich and maybe maybe one day but hey that's not what we're here for No one goes into recruitment to get rich because if we do, I think we'd be in trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? There's lots of jobs that you can work equally hard at, but make a whole lot more money. I hear you.
0: Did you watch the Oscars, Shelley?
1: So no, I didn't watch them. But when I got up the next morning, Brooklyn was like, oh my God, did you see what happened on the Oscars last night? And so she showed me the the slap that was heard around the world. And I kind of thought like, Reality TV is like where everybody lives right now. So she said at first, I thought maybe it was like staged or it was scripted. Then she says, but my visceral reaction, like the way it felt watching it. Absolutely not. That was somebody who had a lapse of judgment decided to assault someone in front of 15 million people.
0: Isn't it crazy? So I'll tell you what happened to me. I, I looked at Twitter and that's all Twitter was about. What the hell is going on? Cause I thought it was a skit. Then they showed the video of him going on stage, slapping him and then sitting down and saying, get my wife's name out of your mouth several times screaming. The whole thing was so fucking odd. So first of all, he says the joke and he's laughing. Then suddenly she doesn't have a really good reaction to it. He sees it. Walks on the stage. Chris Rock, in my impression, and I don't know, leans in thinking he's going to give him, like, a little tap as a joke, but literally slaps him really hard. But I'll tell you, Chris Rock is a champ. He didn't even flinch at that, and he kept it going. I got to say, maybe the joke was inappropriate, but let's – are we (sighs) – like, what are we? Like, it's a frigging joke.
1: And how did the camera know to pan immediately to Jada Pinkett Smith? Because it did after it happened. it And she kind of rolled her eyes. And the joke was so fucking obscure. You yeah. know what I mean? Who would even make the reference? Because the first reactions were kind of like, uh, are we supposed to laugh? Like, it's yeah. a really obscure reference to something that very few people will immediately go, oh, I know what he's. Oh, how's that funny? That's kind of what made me think this is like the perfect conspiracy that it was scripted.
0: I, I don't think it's scripted obviously at all anymore. And want to no. get your okay. thoughts. How is this susceptible? I was thinking about what would happen in this type of situation in the world of work? What would be the reaction? The evil HR lady actually yeah. wrote an article in Inc where she talks about it. I don't know how it correlates because it's not really in the realm of work, but I'll give you a scenario someone at work is doing a presentation and does a joke about one of the employees and the joke might've been inappropriate. That employee walks up and slaps the employee that did the joke in the face. Are they going to be allowed to go back, sit at their desk? What would happen in that case? Yeah.
1: And so given that scenario, you got to back it up with, first of all, you know, making inappropriate jokes, you know what, especially at work and you think you're funny, but. You're really an idiot. Yes. You, you got to know your audience. You got to know your place and time. And so I guess the chain of events is if an employee went up and hit you, and then you clocked them back <laughs> and mm-hmm. a fight ensued, right? You call security, um, mm-hmm. call the police, right? It is a little more cut and dried if it was in the workplace, right? Like we have a respectful work policy. Violence in the workplace is like zero tolerance. Because I have had clients in the past, employees got into fisticuffs. Well, it's, it's really black and white. If your policy is violence isn't tolerated, then they're both gone.
0: And what did you think of him going back down in this particular situation and sitting and it's like nothing happened? Do you think that was appropriate?
1: That's what's so shocking. And that's why everyone was
0: paralyzed. It was
1: like nobody knew what to do. But yet we all just witnessed somebody being assaulted it was equally cringeworthy to listen to will smith accept his award and try and backpedal and make excuses for what he just did in the context of accepting this award didn't you think like listening to him try and throw out all these platitudes and stupid ass excuses.
0: He, he should not have been there for the rest of the show. He should have been actually arrested, even though Chris Rock didn't want to hassle. But that video is going to live in infamy of yourself getting slapped on stage. So Chris Rock, maybe the joking is appropriate, but it wasn't that inappropriate. Reading this article from uh, the evil HR lady and her overall verdict on it, I have a really fundamental issue with one of the things that she said here. So the overall verdict would have been... Fire Will and counsel Chris. This is what most people agreed. Violence is never acceptable in the workplace, even if Chris provoked Will. But Chris doesn't get off free. His joke was cruel and inappropriate. Yes, it was his job to make fun of the stars. But making fun of someone's disability is not funny. Okay. Is alopecia a disability? Like, how far are we bringing a disability is male pattern baldness, disability? Like, what the hell are we talking about here? <laughs> oh my god! Like, are we getting way too sensitive? Because I'll tell you, I was looking at what Ricky Gervais in his monologues in the Oscars a couple years before, and it was a thousand times more offensive than what Chris Rock's joke, our reality of what a disability is really skewed, right? Yeah, it's been stretched pretty thin. Yeah, great
1: point, Serge. So I know we're both really excited to to dig into the Job Vite Job Seeker Nation report because chocolate, man, it's melting in my hands. But the the one um, thing I wanted us to talk about was a really great article by Tim Sackett that talks about bitter recruiters and. If you're a better recruiter, what kind of people do you think they're going to be recruiting? I loved the article. What did you take away? From- there's a
0: couple of things, and I think what his viewpoint makes complete sense. And right now, there's around forty thousand recruiter openings on <laughs> LinkedIn only, and this is only in the U.S. Right, so yeah. a lot of companies are very desperate for recruiters and dealing with recruiters that are not very good at their job, or in some cases, just hate their job but are doing it because they need the money. If you had uh, a salesperson that was miserable in their job, how well do you think they're going to interact with their potential clients? It's a very similar situation when it comes to recruiters and in all fairness here, I think a lot of organizations need to take a look at it. Recruiters have been abused in the last year, like the amount of workload, what the expectations have been, has gone up dramatically. A lot of organizations tried to make it easier for them. Some have done nothing. So you're seeing a lot of recruiters that are are pretty sick of being recruiters and that is cascading down the market as far as how they're going for candidates. And Tim makes the argument here that I rather hire someone with no recruitment experience but loves the company than hire someone with experience that's just a bitter recruiter I, I get it. I think recruiting is something that you can train and you can you know, nurture and you can bring them up to be a good recruiter. It does take more time. But the one thing that if they have is passion for the company or at least like the company, they're mm. going to be a way better um, advocate for your company than someone is coming in bitter. So really good points.
1: Yeah. One of the things he didn't really talk about like, is what are the signs? What are the signs that your recruiter is, they hate you. What are some of the signs? And I, I will never forget. I knew one of the recruiters on my team was burnt out, like time to change jobs or go do something else. When she said to me, when I look at candidates, I pretty much am trying to figure out what part they're lying about. Mm. And so I believe that is usually one of the big flags for me as a TA leader is when you hear recruiters. Now feeling that all candidates are liars and that hiring managers are just out to sabotage. Once they've had that attitude shift as a TA leader, as a manager of people, regardless of whether it's talent acquisition or sales, when you start hearing that sort of feelings or bitterness towards the, the, the hand that feeds you, it's time to get them out, remove them, move them to somewhere else in the organization or better yet suggest they go work for your competitors. (laughs) (laughs) That was always, I know it sounds crazy, but if somebody really believes that all candidates are liars, you shouldn't be a recruiter.
0: And yet are signs, Shelley, that you should be looking at.
1: Yeah. That they hate the hiring managers, right? When they start um, complaining to others about, you're not going to believe what he said to me. As soon as you hear that sort of rumblings happening, it's like a a mold growing somewhere, man, get out the bleach. (laughs) When you hear them um, saying, oh my God, have a little respect. Like, God, they just asked me to recruit 10 more people versus a true recruiter. Fucking high fives all around. The company needs to hire four more people. Our business is so successful. They need five or maybe they need 50 more people. Somebody who loves recruiting would absolutely see that as a reason to celebrate. And the next question is, what's the budget,
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: right? How are you going to help me do this? Because, you know, if, if a hiring leader just says, Oh, I need 50 more people and you go, great. That is like a hundred percent more than last year. Great news. And so I need more, whether it's sponsorship dollars or tools or great. Now's the time for me to hire a recruitment
0: administrator. What right? can companies do to make sure that uh, the recruiters don't come bidder
1: Hire recruiters to begin with versus HR people and make them recruit. Fair enough. <laughs> Novel idea. Yeah. But I think that's what's happened, right? Was early in the pandemic, all the recruiters got laid off. HR people stayed on because somebody had to deliver the bad news. Somebody had to manage the people side of it, right? Now things start, have come back online in the last 12 months And up until recently, like January, it was HR people trying to keep the wheels on the bus, Yeah, but they aren't recruiters to begin with. And like you said, I'd rather hire somebody who loves the company and teach them. Give them the tools because they will never run out of gas if they're doing something they love. Well,
0: I'll tell you, I don't know if I ever told you the story of how I came into recruitment. I had no background, knew nothing about recruitment at all. I was just running a retail operation, like multiple retail stores for our very large company. And I, I just love recruiting for those stores like it's just I wanted to have the best possible people. so I would go out, i go out to other retail locations, try to recruit their staff. I was pretty aggressive and when the role came up, not knowing what I was getting into it, but I I just loved the company I was working for and my hiring manager who led uh, recruitment for the organization, Didn't even hesitate in hiring me. I know you don't have the experience. I can train you on recruitment. You have everything else. You have the knowledge of the company. You have the passion for the people. So 100% agree. I would look at that before hiring someone externally because they have the experience. The other thing I think organizations can do, and this has been sorely lacking, almost every talent acquisition, every recruitment organization I've seen is they don't train their recruiters. They don't invest in continuous learning for those recruiters being able to better do their job. Part of it is no one understands what really recruitment, how you do it. It's not rocket science, but unfortunately, a lot of organizations don't know anything about recruitment. They just hire a recruiter thinking, okay, got that covered. We got a recruiter. We know how to recruit right now. But no one is investing in the same way that we're investing with sales. Mm -hmm. We're investing tons in organizations and sales training. And and it makes a lot of sense because it affects the bottom line. That should be exactly the same to recruitment. You should be investing in recruitment training almost as much as anything else in the organization. You're going to have a lot happier recruiters if they know how to do their job right.
1: So does this not go back to something you've said even in your Disrupt HR talk, remember? Recruitment should report to the chief revenue officer. How about that? Or supply chain? Because the fact that they are in HR and we're just supposed to by sheer osmosis, somehow know best practices and how to do this and pick up a book and learn it yourself versus if you reported under the same area that sales does and marketing and recruitment.
0: Yeah. They're all revenue generating. And if people don't think that talent acquisition is not revenue generating, you you have not lived the last you, two years. Well, you're not
1: connecting the dots.
0: No. It's, it's not a hard dot to connect.
1: No, it's not. No, it, it's,
0: no it's really not. It's not a hard
1: not. dot to connect. Yeah, the other so, thing
0: that I think is one of the things that organizations can do to make sure that recruiters are in a good position, they're happy, they don't become bitter, is Your fucking stupid processes that just don't make any sense of six, seven interviews and you need to have all this information at this particular point or it doesn't move forward. Then after the fact has to go through a compensation committee if the range is 5K above it. Like all of these things in the current environment is really going to put the recruiter focus on things that they don't excel at. Uh, they excel at relationships they excel at relationships with their hiring managers and their candidates now we're putting all these roadblocks that hr has felt that we need to put in place based on compliance you're putting roadblocks in front of a recruiter and there's nothing more frustrating for a recruiter knowing that we don't need to do that we just do it for the sake of doing it and when i ask why we do it and to improve it it, basically the word comes back, no, we can't. This is our process. Look at your process to make sure it makes sense. And it's a good experience for the candidate and something that the recruiter can navigate and really explain to the candidates that it makes sense across the board. What's your thoughts on that?
1: You're right. Questioning your process and asking why we are doing it this way, especially like when you talk about seven interviews, I think I got a rash, Jesus, seven interviews. And I know that you're speaking from experience because I have firsthand experience in that exact scenario where we have found the candidate and now we are going to um, arm wrestle over the fact that they are worth like $5,000 more and it's got to go back to a committee Oh, dear Lord. Right,
0: come on, so
1: yeah, it is remove and stop doing processes because you can't um, get your head around the fact that there's another way. I think that maybe goes back to, did you hire the right people in recruitment to begin with? Because a, a great recruiter, and we talked about this on our last show, right? What are the characteristics of a great recruiter? They can think creatively it was one of them. You can still get the information that you need, but why are you asking it maybe at this step in the process? Why do you have to ask it up front? Can we not ask it at the end? Why drag a thousand people through a shitty process, (laughs) like the register before you apply? Oh my God, it still makes me crazy.
0: The need for recruiters is not going to go down. So as organizations are looking and struggling to hire them, I, I think they have to look at All the impacts. I'm not even going to mention this one again because people are going to think, just shut up with search with this. is the technology. Mm -hmm. If you have really crappy technology, it makes the life of a recruiter so much harder. So look at all those elements, your process, Mm -hmm. your technology, just overall your training. And if you have recruiters that are bitter right now, you're not going to rehab them. Look at an exit option for that recruiter yeah. and look at an option of bringing a, a new recruiter or bring perfect. one up internally and in training them in the correct manner. And you know what? You can always send them to listen to the recruitment flexes. They'll <laughs> learn everything they need to by just listening to us.
1: Just a the perfect point. I was scared to say it. I don't know why. I'm not scared to say much, but you need to let people go. And in this market where we know that there's 40,000 job ads open right now on LinkedIn for rec- recruiters they'll find another job. Let them go work somewhere
0: else. Yes. And think about it, they're really basically the face of your organization to the external world of mm-hmm. someone coming into work. Do you want that first impression to be someone that's bitter and hates their job? Want to move on to 2022 Job Seeker Nation Report. So for everyone to know, Jazz HR, Jobvite, and NXT Thing, which is an RPO, have all joined in one company called Employ. Jobvite has been doing this survey for a couple of years, and there's a ton of information. A lot of it, we've talked about it before on the show. It's very similar to the AppCast report, but there were some key things that I really want to drill down because I think it's new information or it's information that is fascinating to me, and I'm going to jump to... Slide 12, and so for everyone listening, we'll put the link that you can download it on the show notes, but one of the things when we look at how candidates want to get contacted and what they did is they look at 2022 and then what their results were in 2020. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of difference. So what is the preferred communications channels with a recruiter? This is coming from the candidate side, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2022, we had email at 28%. We had phone call at 28%. Then we had in-person meetings. So that could be over Zoom. That's 26%. In 2020, emails was 44% as the preferred method of communication. And it's gone down to 28% in that time. 2020, phone calls were 25%. It's gone up to 28%. That's a little bit of a shocker. And in-person Zoom meetings was 17%. It's now 26%. Anything surprise you here, Shelley? Put this in context of just how vast of an audience
1: that job seeker nation report is drawn from. So this is by no means representative of only hourly workers or only uh white collar professionals, right? This is a really huge yeah. uh, survey that they do and there's very few like it other than obviously the atcast. What I love about job seeker nation is it is just that it is from the job seeker perspective which is all recruiters know that's 50% of our equation. Did it surprise me? I wondered why they chose 2020 because the world went to hell in a handbasket in 2020. What I love though, was text messages because 42% of workers that received a text message from a recruiter to schedule an interview. And of those 42%, 56% said they would prefer this process for scheduling an interview over an email or a phone call. What that tells us is, and as we know that there are certain job families that are live on their phone and others, other roles where you are always in front of your computer, whether you work from home or at the office, that I think was very
0: interesting. Do you know what was very shocking to me? So I wasn't but, surprised by that because uh, honestly, I don't want to talk to anyone. So if you want to send me a text message. I know, but you're just a certain demographic. I know. I'm, right? I know. Yeah. But I I love text message, I hate emails, uh, because emails is too long form for me. I I think my attention span is from Slack. I I need to be able to answer in one line instead of having to do a formalized email response back. But what the interesting part here was when we talk about how they wanna be communicated with moving forward, like emails, phone calls, texts were way above the one method that all recruiters are using is gone out of style. It's LinkedIn messages. So LinkedIn messaging is the lowest of the methods that candidates want to be reached out of. Shocking, surprising, because this is pretty important data to me, especially how many recruiters, they have one outbound strategy and it's LinkedIn in mails.
1: Um wow. Okay. Like I'm speechless. It, it depends which way you look because, like I've said before, I think whoever was the sales team for LinkedIn, certainly here across Canada, they've gone gangbusters with selling these unlimited postings and leading uh corporations to believe that that's the best way to drive traffic to your jobs. Yeah.
0: But we're talking about in-mails here. Yeah, no,
1: I know, because the assumption is you would communicate with the candidates over in-mail. And the fact is, Jesus, I don't need another place to try. I've got my instant messenger. I've got texts. I've got WhatsApp. I've got, like, Jesus Christ. Who's WhatsApp? Really? Of course. I use it all the time.
0: Oh, Uh, you have kids, right? Yeah. Okay. But you think about like how many recruiters do you know that their outbound strategy is LinkedIn in-mails and what candidates are telling us, we don't like that. So I guess for recruiters that do leverage LinkedIn in-mails email, as their primary source, maybe you should take a look at that because it's a very valued point here that mm-hmm. candidates are not crazy about getting those LinkedIn in-mails. So let's skip a little further, mm-hmm. and uh, I do want to dig in on a couple other things. So workers are telling us, where they want to find out about job openings. Yeah. So in 2010, I went into the job board world. I joined a company here in Canada called Workopolis. And one of the first things that I would hear from many th- people, and probably even from you, Shelley, is job boards are dead or job boards are dying. No, just the job
1: board you were working for.
0: Well, <laughs> Fair enough. I've never
1: said job boards are dead. Maybe not you. I said Workopolis is not sending us any candidates, man. When are you going to fix your
0: technology? But anyways, the point doesn't go away (laughs) that a lot of people have been saying that job boards are dying for many years. But in this survey, it makes it really clear that the number one place that job seekers want to go to find jobs, and I've seen this in multiple surveys, is online job boards. It's one place where jobs are organized, they know it's real, or in most cases it's real. There's exception, there's so many bad job boards that just recycle jobs and it's kind of job arbitrage uh, that's going out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the trusted job board or job aggregator is the place they go for look for jobs. So if it's not part of your strategy as a recruitment and talent acquisition organization, you are missing the biggest portion of candidates thinking we're going to be different and we're only gonna do social media or we're going to invest all this money in this employer career site, which really doesn't do anything, or we're gonna do career fairs. All of these strategies, almost all combined, don't make up how job seekers see the importance of job boards. So I'm not saying to not do the other stuff, but you better budget You better have a strong strategy with whatever job board provider you're working with, because if you're not living in that world, you are missing out. Thoughts?
1: No surprises. What did surprise me, though, was that 23% of job seekers had used career fairs. So do you know what I think is that is probably early career, right? What we talked about before. So no surprises on on this, what I found interesting, and for our audience, please flip in your Bibles to page 15 um, of this report because top used job boards, they named Facebook as a job board.
0: Facebook had a job board, right?
1: They did, perhaps. They still they do
0: in North America. Do they really they know? do they're, they're well, in- Shelly? I'm telling you. Facebook's job board did way better than a lot of people thought because I saw it firsthand in the data working in talent acquisition because I was connected to the Facebook job board and Facebook was driving around 20% of my traffic. Really shitty traffic, but 20% of (laughs) traffic. traffic.
1: Yeah, it still doesn't solve the age-old getting in front of the right audience because you can't on Facebook. You just can't. You can blanket large communities, much like hiring a helicopter to fly over Uh, The Costco parking lot on a Saturday, there's a strategy. So, yeah, Facebook just doesn't give you the ability to speak to a specific audience. It did, but it doesn't. Well, it
0: it, does two different things, right? There's the Facebook job board and then there's Facebook targeted uh, ads. So, Facebook targeted ads, you can't target any day but it's a very similar job board to whatever, Career Builder, Indeed, all the job boards. Like, it's just not really good quality jobs overall. But no surprises to see, indeed, with being the top used job board in the U.S. with 52%. Zip didn't even show up here. and That was shocking, hey? Yeah. Talent didn't show up as well. Uh, Neither
1: did Career... So they put CareerBuilder and Facebook over ZipRecruiter? I think this is Hold what... On a minute.
0: Well, this is job seekers, right? Like, they don't yeah. know the industry. They, they just know brands that they've known for a long time. And if you've used career builders, so this is not scientific in any way. The critical data here for me is candidates are telling us that they are going on job boards to look for jobs. Mm -hmm. So let's jump to the Job Seeker Nation
1: report about chatbots and artificial intelligence. The 25% of workers have seen some new technology during the recruiting process that helped them answer questions more quickly.
0: Yes. That's awesome. Hey, there's some things that I want to get your perspective here. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot more companies, especially in the U.S., adopting chatbots or different AI technology to help the candidates through the application process, which I think is great. I think it's one of the things that if you can simplify mm-hmm. for the candidate, it. you have a tool, improve it, I'm 100% on board. Mm-hmm. So 25%. What I thought the most interesting thing is 80% of those that I've interacted with a chatbot have rated their experience as good or very good. And you being the, I guess, the driver of everything that is not technology-based when it comes to new process, and that's not fair, actually. That's not true at all. (laughs) No, that's not.
1: (laughs) I'm just the opposite. So the 80% rated it as, so when you think, just back up a bit, have you used like the automated tool, say you've got something you need to call your bank and there's a chat bot there, whether it's an online or say you're using the chat bot because you want to upgrade your cables or something, yeah. right? your internet. The chat bot is so bad that I'm just like, where's the phone number? This is just so frustrating. And they drag you through this long drawn out and none of it is relevant. It, it's just been a terrible experience. So when I saw this, it was just like, oh my God, either things were really bad before. <laughs> and even the most basic chat bot is now we're getting an 80% rating it as good as very good. Okay. So it must mean that it was really bad.
0: I've had good experience with chat bots when it comes to cable or like exactly the circumstances that you just mentioned, but I've had very bad experiences. just like, oh, screw this. I'm just going to pick up the phone. Or if you want anything from your cable or phone provider to get resolved quickly, just like at them on Twitter and they'll respond to you within 10 minutes. That's that's the trick oh. to get done, right? <laughs> okay. Because that's visible. It's visible to the world yeah. and they, they react usually very quickly. I've never actually implemented a chatbot in any talent acquisition that, that I've led. I've thought about it, but fortunately I've had really good ATS that the process and we've been able to simplify that I didn't see it as a primary driver of what we needed to do. But I've seen them work And I would say they are pretty simple. And the types of questions they help to answer are pretty simple. So you don't need really complexity at this part, as long as the chatbot kind of guides you in the right direction and answers the questions you need. So yeah, I I think the recruitment ones do the trick, right? I I think overall, they're generally good.
1: Yeah. And if you just need a A quick question answered. Do you offer relocation for this role? Should I even apply? And this is this assumes that you're going obviously directly to the career site, which is a whole nother debate about do candidates really, are you really going to visit the career site or are you being driven there by finding the job first? Yeah. So there's a lot of assumptions here, but great report, Serge. I love this stuff. You know, I really do. I love reading these and the numbers they throw out there, like nothing adds up. So I don't know, you got to read the fine print of how they came up with all this, but it does yeah. give us some really good information that is today, right? Not 2015.
0: I think there's a ton of information out there and having some actually um, survey data that gives us an idea of, it's a snapshot of what's going on in the market. So I I recommend everyone that goes and downloads it and reads it. If you're in this space, it's critical information that you can bring back to your organization of what the current landscape of recruitment is and the current landscape of work in general, like what is happening. So what you're feeling or what you're seeing is not that abnormal from what other companies are are seeing as well. So great value there. Biggest thing. And I think where it really highlighted to me and I wanted to talk about it is like, Number one place people look for jobs are job boards. I might be a little bit biased. No, you're just simply, of course,
1: you're biased and happy to see this information. But it just confirms already what you already know. Yes. From another source.
0: Yeah. It does. Shelly, next week, our Friday show is going to be an all ladies show between... Shelly Billinghurst, Kim Wilkinson, and Allison Knoll. That's going to be so much fun. Certainly. It's going to be a lot of fun. You might never yeah. want me back. No, I, it's only
1: because you need a break or actually I think you're working, right?
0: Yeah, no, I'm oh. going to be traveling. I'll be an offsite for a whole week, so I won't be able, but I, I thought it was great. So look yeah, forward it to gonna it. It is going to be great fun. Shelly, always a pleasure. It's, it's... You're amazing. Have a great Thank weekend. you. See you soon. See you soon.
1: Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed.